Greetings, brethren, and welcome to our Sabbath service. It is the 13th month and the 17th day. That means we're just 27 days away from Passover. So the moon is waning. We'll have a new moon, and then we'll be right into Passover. So we're within a month of the Passover season. Looking forward to that. Welcome to those of you who have found us online, and uh, we're always happy to have you join us. Brethren, I'll have you stand, and we'll have the opening prayer by Brother Daniel. Please bow your heads. Thank you, Lord, for leading us here today on your Sabbath day. Thank you also for giving us an opportunity to hear your word and learn more about you. Please be with the speaker. Um, help him to um, lead us through the scriptures in a manner that's ple- pleasing to you and so that uh, we learn what you want us to learn. Please uh, be with everyone who can't be here with us today, people battling various uh health issues or just other financial issues, be with them. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Brother Daniel. Brethren, please remain standing. And let's uh, begin our song service on page number 117. Through the love of God, our Savior. And let's sing this like we mean it. Through the love of God, our Savior. the love of God our Savior all will be well free and changeless is his favor all will be well precious is the blood that healed us perfect is the grace that sealed us strong the hand stretched out to shield us All will 
everywhere. We expect a bright tomorrow. All will be well. Faith can sing through days of sorrow. All will be well. On our Father's love relying, Jesus every need supplying, in our living, in our dying, all will be well. Amen, brethren. What a beautiful hymn. Let's continue on page 130. Wherever he leads, I will go. Page 130. Take up thy cross and follow me, I heard my master say. Gave my life to ransom thee, surrender your all today. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Drew me closer to his side, I sought his will to know. And in that will I now abide, wherever he leads I'll go. Wherever he leads I'll go. Wherever he leads I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so, wherever he leads I'll go. It may be through the shadows dim, or o'er the stormy sea. I take my cross and follow him, wherever he leadeth me. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. My heart, my life, my all I bring to Christ who loves me so. He is my master, Lord and King, wherever he leads I'll go, wherever he leads I'll go, wherever he leads I'll go, I'll follow my Christ who loves me so, wherever he leads I'll go. Well, brethren, I'll ask you just to uh, remain standing for the scripture reading. It'll be Matthew 26, verses 26 to 30, by Brother Landon. Matthew 26, verse 26 to 30. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. 
Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink it from all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many of the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink from when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Thank you, Brother Landon. Brethren, please be seated. Just to share with you a new intercessory prayer request that has come in. Uh, This is for Dorothy Davis. She's the wife of Elder Max Davis from Kansas. And she's experiencing congestive heart failure. This is quite serious. Uh, Dorothy Davis, uh, wife of Elder Max Davis from Kansas. And she's experiencing congestive heart failure. Hospice workers are with her at their home. She's having difficulty breathing, so this is clearly life-threatening, and uh, she's in extreme pain. So let's remember Dorothy Davis, wife of Elder Max Davis. Also, brethren, as we head into the Passover, mentioned we're just 27 days away, if we can pray for the body of Christ uh, as in our preparations for the Passover. So we'll just give everybody a minute or so uh, to pray individually, and then we'll ask um, our elder, Pastor Murray, to lead us in a collective intercessory prayer.
ask you to rise, brethren, and we'll go to God in prayer, and then remain standing following our prayer for uh, the next hymn. Loving Father, Abba, we come before you and before you, Jesus Christ, asking you to accept us collectively into your presence before your throne, and we are so very grateful to know who you are and be confident that you know who we are. You've revealed yourself to us. We come to you now, Father, as we do, as we are so blessed to do each week, lifting one another up in prayer, those who are struggling physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And we first and foremost want to thank you for being our God, for being the ever-existent one, for hearing our prayers and answering all prayers according to your holy, righteous, and perfect will. We continue to beseech you that we understand that will, that we accept that will. And while doing so, we know that your ear can be bent. And we come before you now on behalf of the many who are sick, many who are struggling. We find ourselves in uncertain times. We're blessed to have your scriptures to help us navigate that uncertainty. But we come before you now for the Davis family, an elder of yours, a longtime elder worker for you. His wife, Dorothy, is struggling extremely at this time. Their, their family, their congregation, reaching out to you on, on her behalf. We are so very grateful for your plan that, Her life is in your hands. We just ask for your mercy, that your will is tempered with mercy. And especially as we come into the Passover season, that you be with that family, that you encourage them, that you give them courage. And if it be your will to heal her, we are so very grateful for your plan. We look around the world and pray for your brethren, your people, Messiah, for your brethren, your body, that as we come into this most holy time of year, that we may have attitudes of commitment and repentance and understanding all that you did on our behalf to allow us to be here, to allow us to understand your covenant, to participate in your covenant. We look around the world that is full of war and full of uncertainty and full of difficulty. And and we certainly know your scriptures tell us at some point it will get worse and it will continue to get worse. But we do pray for that while we pray for peace and we pray for mercy, we most importantly pray for repentance around this world, that that all of all of your creation will come to an understanding of of you, Jesus Christ, of your covenant that you made with your people and that they may ultimately repent and find a place in that plan. We're so very grateful, Father. We're, we are so thankful. We lift up the many that we don't know about, many that we pray about on a personal personal basis. We're so grateful as we look back for all of your answered prayer even those that are now asleep in the grave, that you've answered that and, and have kept them safe and have 
allowed them to sleep through this. We pray for all of your people as we come now into Passover. We thank you so very much for the opportunity to come before you now. We ask you to humbly accept and hear our prayers. And we do so in the name of our Messiah and soon coming King Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Murray, and thank you, brethren, for remaining standing. Let's uh, turn to page number 71, and we'll continue with I Surrender All. Immediately after this hymn, we'll hear the main message for today. It's entitled Passover 360, Passover 360, and that will be brought to us by Deacon Jan. So let's have uh, I Surrender All, page 71, and then Passover 360 by Deacon Jan Kowalczyk. I surrender all. I think we have enough men here, so we'll ask the men on the refrain if you'll uh, echo the women who will lead with I surrender all. So, page 71. If in doubt, follow Landon. <laughs> Don't follow me. All to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. Oh, to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender, humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken, take me, Jesus, take me now. Oh, to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender, make me Savior, holy thine. Let me feel the Holy Spirit, truly know that thou art mine. Oh, to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Oh, to Jesus I surrender, Lord, I give myself to thee. Fill me with thy love and power, let thy blessing fall on me. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Amen. Thank you, brethren. Please be seated. For the main message, we'll hear from Deacon Jan Kowalczuk with Passover 360.
Thank you so much, Pastor Agent. Good afternoon, everyone. Just nice to be together. Another Sabbath. What a blessing is when we just, just, just come together, just to be together physically. And who knows what can happen next week, right? No one knows. So Passover 27 days away. Let me put it in a little bit different way. Three and a half weeks away. Okay. If 27 it might be still many, many days to, to come or to go, three and a half weeks away. So open your Bible to Leviticus chapter 23. I would like to start there. But, but before we go there, I have a question. If somebody walk into this door, somebody who never ever heard about things like Passover, it would just ask you a question. Just can you explain me plainly and just quickly, in just few words, in one sentence, what do you guys mean by this Passover? What is it? How would you guys explain it? Leviticus chapter 23, just as always as our custom each year, not just during the feast, but especially, you know, before the feast, as we try to orient our sermons toward this holy time of, holy time of year, Leviticus chapter 23 here, and try to think what kind of answer would you provide to these people, right? What kind of answer you would say? How would you explain this thing to the stranger? So I'm just going to read it for the respect of our creator here. I'm just going to read this verse here, just two verses here. And I'm going to read it from the complete Jewish Bible. And just yeah, I have a few scriptures that I'm going to read just from this particular Bible uh, translation. And here in verse 5. In the first month on the 14th day of the month, between sundown and complete darkness, come Pesach for Adonai. On the 15th day of the same month is the festival of matzahs. For seven days you are to eat matzahs. So what is Passover? What is the definition of the Passover? Let's go to Exodus chapter 12. Because that's, where the, that's the part of the scripture where the words appear here. So let's just try to define biblically what Passover is. Exodus chapter 12, and here at verse 12, Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. It says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment I am the Lord. Okay? So that's biblical definition what Passover is all about. At least this part. The Egyptian Passover here. Skip down to verse 25. Here's another one. God God is trying to make sure that we really understand what do we mean when we say Passover. What do we mean when we say Passover? Verse 25. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised, that you shall keep this service. Verse 26, it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? That you shall say, it's the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our household. 
So the people bow their heads and worship. Trying just to expand the biblical definition what Passover is all about. Skip down to verse 29. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne and the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of livestock. So this day, the Passover day, the Egyptian Passover day, everything is about the firstborn. The question is whether which ones are dying and which ones are sacrificing for the others. That's what Passover means. Now, why exactly happened that way in Egypt? So we'll come back here. We'll come back to the scriptures a little bit later. I would like you to go to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. So as you can probably figure out from my title, Passover 360, what it means, we're going to make a circle around. All over to the scripture. This will be our starting point, And at the end of my presentations, we'll come back to Matthew chapter 26. Here, Matthew chapter 26. And as we're going to read the very familiar verses. So popular. Popular. People even memorize this part of the script here. But just before we go there, and again, I would like you to do something unusual. I don't know if you can. That's very difficult. Just empty your head. Okay? Empty your head from all your traditions, whatever you may think about what it means here. I just I want you to put yourself, let's say, into a Paul's shoes. Who, let's say, would say he was a Jewish Torah scholar. Who understand the covenant, who understand Torah to a very high degree. And imagine this person would be sitting across Christ's face on that night. And let's say this person would be listening to every single words that Christ is trying to tell his disciples. Okay? Can you? Is it possible for you to do this? I don't know. It's, it's difficult, right? It's just difficult to empty yourself just like that and try to have a fresh, clear mind when it comes to issues like that. But let's just please try it. So you're an expert in the Torah. You come for an evening, you sit across the table, and you listen to these words. So just read it, verse chapter 26. Chapter 26, verse 26. And, and, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, and said it, Take. This is my body. How would you react, being a Jewish scholar, a religious leader? What is he saying? Take. This is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. I would be very worried. If I was a Jewish scholar knowing Torah and everything, I would be, that thing would scare me. What is he saying here? What, what do you think? What do you think this guy is? Who he is? What do you mean the remission of sin? Trinket? A covenant? What kind of power do you have to establish a covenant? We can make some covenants here, but you're talking about this covenant? Who are you? Who gives you this authority? 
What authority are you claiming? Remission of sins. Do you have even an idea what you are talking about? Only God can do something like that. Covenant. Just the implications of a covenant. So we'll come back there. Keep it in mind. We're going to go 360. We're going to go around it. Okay? Genesis chapter 14. And I know we know the script. We're not going to go through all of this. Just some verses here and there. And as we're going to go through so many verses here, I don't know if some of you like to play a detective. So we'll be collecting evidence, right? Whether it be a virtual or whatever you can call it a box, physical box, we'll show, we'll show the evidence into this box. Okay? And just if you're making notes, just write it down. Okay? Genesis chapter 14. So let's hear it at verse 18, okay? We're collecting the evidence, okay? It needs to point us to Matthew chapter 26 again. We need to arrive at that point there. Then Melchizedek, chapter 18, Genesis chapter 14 and verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham, God of Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. Just stop here for a moment. Okay, let's just look at some of the evidence we can collect here. What is Melchizedek? What is the meaning of Melchizedek? Okay. Write down the evidence. The king of righteousness. That's one of it. Title. The king of Solomon means the king of peace. So the king of righteousness, the king of, the king of peace. Just keep it in your box. Throw it into your box. We're collecting the evidence, right? Now, another point that we get here. If you would read in Genesis from the beginning to this point, is there such a title as a priest? Nowhere. For some reason, he's called a priest. And not just a, not just a priest. He's called the priest. He's the priest of the God Most High. How did he get his title? Who gave him this title? On what ground? But anyway, he's called the priest of the God Most High. There's another evidence. You can throw it into your box. And here, for no reasons given, okay, we just have what? Wine and bread. It was just the party, just a celebration. Wow, Abram is such a great warrior. You know, you, you, you deliver all your people here. Let's just have a party. Let's have a little drink here and, you know, have a feast. Put in your evidence, bread and wine. We'll come to this a little bit later, right? And on top of this thing, the person so far, one of the most important personality in the Bible, for some reason, gave to this priest a tithe. Pay tithe to this priest. Who is this guy? When we tithe, we worship God. Tithing is the one way how we worship God. We are generous. Whatever one-tenth of our income, we give it back to God because that's how we worship Him. We recognize who is our creator, and that's how we do it. Abram here did the same thing. He paid a tithe. Now, 
Remember, we're just gathering in evidence. Chapter 15. Y'all know the story. We covered this for so many, you know, so many times. I'm not going to go through all these details. Genesis chapter 15, verse 4. And here, behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but the one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And then he brought him out outside. Outside, he says, it's not a vision anymore. He says, I want you to come outside. I want you to see. I want you to count the stars. I want you to look at the stars. And now God says to Abraham, he says, now look. So the heaven and count the stars. If you are able to number them, and he said to him, so shall your descendants be. What a promise, right? What a marvelous promise to such an old man like Abraham is at this stage of his life. Okay. And here, there's not just the promise about Abraham. He says, to your children. You know, Abraham, I'm not just concerned about you here. You know, I'm, you know, don't worry. I'll make it. I'll make out, I'll, I'll bless you so much. It's not about you. It's about your children, about children's children to the whatever, you know, uh, what's the word? Let's just move on to the next generation. Now, skip down to verse 18 here. We know what happened in the middle, right? Did Abraham cut the animal pieces, something, and at, at the end of the day, Another important factor that, you know, just basically we just read it. We wouldn't recognize it. But what happened? Here is in verse 18. On the same day, the Lord made the covenant with Abraham. Not just the covenant, a blood covenant. Throw it in into your evidence box. A blood covenant. Very serious. It's not just a contract. If I do this, if you don't do we cancel it or whatever. We just, you know, see how we can compensate each other. I will sue you or you will sue me and just somehow we'll figure it out. No. That's a blood covenant. Okay? God is obligated to do something. Whatever he said to Abraham, he says, this is what's going to take me to accomplish for you, Abraham, and for your children. This is what I will do. This is a blood covenant. There is nothing, there is not such thing as coming back out of the covenant. No such thing. Can cancel it. I can cancel it. So add this, add this piece to your evidence. But keep in mind, for the last two weeks, you heard the two-part sermons. Remember about the vision? Remember that, right? Pastor Agent was talking about, you know, resurrection vision up from your grave. What a vision Abram got here. Think about that. At this age, God says, Abram, look at you. I will bless you so much. And I want you to have this vision in your mind. Okay, don't just live here. Don't just live now. I know you're old. I know you're counting your days. Might be over any time. No, 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 no. Hold on. Keep this vision in your mind. You're going into the future. I'm going to bless you tremendously. Not here, not now. It's going to be. But keep this in mind, okay? Genesis chapter 17 here. What an incredible vision. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. God changed his name along the way to, from Abram. To, and now he's introducing the, the circumcision. But here, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appealed to Abram and said to him, 99 years old. It's not about here. It's not about now, Abram. I want you to have the vision. That's something for the future. And it's not just for your children and your children's children that they're going to enjoy it. One day, you will also enjoy it. 
Keep that thing in mind. Okay, you're 99 years old. Verse 2, and I'll make covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. 99. What do I have to live for? I'm 99. Skip down to verse 15 here, just for the sake of time. Then God said to Abram, to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. This is a mind bubble. At 99. Then Abram fell on his face. And what? And thank God. Look what he did. He laughed. What is the faith that Abraham had? He laughed. And said in his heart, not openly, he thought that, you know, he might hide from God. God might not, not know what you're thinking or what he was thinking, right? And he said, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? <laughs> you know, we so much rely on today's science, right? And according to our science, they will say, this is impossible on both sides. Especially on the woman's side. That's it. Scientifically speaking, this is impossible, right? And so Sarah, who is 90, who is 90 years old, but a child. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might left before you. God said, Ah, 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 no, no, no. Verse 19. Then God said, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, which means one who loves. For the rest of your life, you remember your child's name, okay? One, and will establish my covenant with him. So it's not just you, but with him and his descendants forever, right? It's not just about you. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. Just the expansions of the vision that God is trying to portray to Abraham, right? Did he get it? Kind of laugh here, right? Verse 18. Verse 18 here. Verse 10. Chapter 18, verse 10. I apologize. Genesis chapter 18, verse 10. And here, raking into the context again. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And guess what happened? She was listening in the tender which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were old and advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah what? What did she do? Abraham laughed. Now Sarah laughed too. With herself saying, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And Lord said to Abraham, Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child, since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you, according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it. Saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Expansions on the vision. The vision is just going stronger now. Piece by piece, 
Not just at once. Year by year, the vision become clearer. If you're still taking a note and you're looking for an evidence, just write this. A miracle son. Or the firstborn. The only son. Write your evidence. Put it all together into the same box. Genesis chapter 21. See, let's look at this man, Abraham, now. Verse 1, Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah. Chapter 22. In the wrong chapter here. Now it came to pass, Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. And it came to pass after this thing that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Let's see how really, really you understand, how really you grasp my vision. All the way so far I've been telling you along the way. Let's see if you really got it. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Guess what happened? So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Any question asked this time? Is he laughing? No. Strictly obedient. No second question, no second guessing. Pack up his stuff, taking his son, and he's going. No complaints. Abraham's got division. I rely on God's promises. I have no idea how it's going to happen, what is going to happen, but I am going. No hesitation. If you're looking for another evidence, to your evidence box, put a sacrifice of your beloved son. Just throw it in there. We're gathering all the evidence, right? Throw it there into your box. Sacrifice of the beloved son. Verse 12. Abraham was ready actually to sacrifice his son. Verse 12. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Skip to verse 15. And as your action, Abraham, as the results of your action, what you are willing to do. Verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, your only son, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and and as the sandwiches on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. And in your seed... In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because of you have obeyed my voice. One individual with a faith, with a vision, can be a blessing to all of us. Your faith, you may have no idea how your faith can be a blessing not just to you, but also to your families, to your neighbors, 
who might not even be in faith. Sometimes. And again, how did he get all this confidence? How did he get all this vision? It just happened once. Now we was built up. Piece after piece. One obedient after another obedient. One faithfulness lead to another. His vision was expanding, getting bigger and bigger and bigger to the point. I just trust God. It's not about here and now, whatever happens. I know that's going to be coming. I don't know how is God going to resolve it. That's not my problem. That's God's problem. I just have to be faithful. I just have to be obedient. And things will follow into one piece. Up from the grave. Just like that. Now, as we go to the Hebrew, Hebrew chapter 6. Hebrew chapter 6. And this time I'll, I'll read again from the complete Jewish Bible. Hebrew chapter 6. We'll read from verse 13 to verse 18. So maybe a little sound a little different, whatever, different whatever verses you might have, but try to follow or at least try to listen to what I'm reading here for a complete Jewish Bible. Hebrew chapter 6, verse 13. So when God made his promise to Abraham, he swore an oath to do what he has promised. And since there was no one greater than himself, for him to swear by, he swore by himself and said, I will certainly bless you and I will certainly give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham saw the promise fulfilled. Now people were oaths by some way greater than themselves and confirming by an oath puts an end to all disputes. And you know, some people like even in our circle, people might not even, might not even be a Christians or faithful, but sometimes, oh, you know, just, just, just render something. Oh, I swear to God, I'm telling the truth, right? That's exactly what it's here, what, 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 what the what author is trying to, to, to write. So since God, he can't swear on anybody else. He's the highest authority in heaven. But he says here, now people swear oath, but some are greater than themselves, and confirmations by an oath puts end Puts, puts an end to all dispute. Therefore, when God wanted to demonstrate still more convictingly the unchangeable character of his intention, more convictingly the unchangeable character of his intention to those who were to receive what he had promised, he added an oath to the promise. So it's just the promise, but he also to the promise he had an oath. He walked between the pieces. He says, I am making with you a blood covenant. Trust me. Okay? And here it says, verse 18, so that though, so that through two unchangeable things, God's words, that's one thing, and on top of that, the buildup, his promise, his covenant on top of that, unchangeable things, in neither of which God could lie, he who had fled to take a firm hold of the, of the hope set before us, would be strongly encouraged. That's what Abraham hope came from. His faith, that's where it came from. He didn't trust God. That's one thing. He had every right. He trusted God, but on top of that, he knew it. God didn't just give me a promise. God put himself into a covenantal relationship to accomplish that thing. 
It's incredible. I don't know how. I have no idea how that's going to work out. But I know in the end it will work the way how God is saying. Hebrew chapter 11. Hebrew chapter 11 here. Hebrew chapter 11 here. Look where Abraham had his faith. Okay, how he built up his faith. Hebrew 11.17. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered at Isaac, and he who had received the promise, offered at his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Why? Verse 19. Concluding. So this is the conclusion that he came. This vision. Okay. Concluding that God was able to what? Raise him up even from the dead. And from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So basically when Abraham grabbed his son. He thought of his son as well as dead. He knew it. But for some reasons. To the vision, to the promise that he was holding so dearly, he knew it. God's got to raise him up. I don't have anybody else. He promised that through this, my son, all the promises will go through. I have no idea how he's going to do this thing. But I know what thing. God promised. God made a covenant. I have a faith. I'll carry it through. Add another piece to your evidence box. Resurrection. Resurrections, right? So now you're collecting all these, all these evidence, right? I will just read them. It would be nice to display them on the list so we could be able to see them one by one. But I'm going to read it to you slowly. You can follow your notes, right? So let's look at all the evidence that we have collected so far. So we have Abraham there, right? Did I tell you to put Abraham there? If not, then just put him. Abraham. What do we call Abraham? Father of the nation of Israel. That's one thing. Father of the faithful. So we have Abraham, right? Then we have king of righteousness or king of peace. We have the priest of the most high. We have a blood covenant. We have bread and wine. We have a miracle son or son of promise. We have a firstborn. We have the only son. And now we have the resurrection. Just from these few chapters from Genesis. All these pieces that we actually pick it up. Now we need to go back to Egypt. now. What exactly happened in Egypt? Why did it happen? Why did it happen this way? That way? Why did God want it this particular way? Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. And verse 22. So now we'll try to put all these pieces together. And in some cases, God is trying to explain how all these pieces are going to work out. Chapter 4, verse 22. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn. Israel is my son, my firstborn. So say to you, Say to Pharaoh, Moses, okay, without any hesitation, say to Pharaoh, say this, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. One firstborn, one firstborn, one have to sacrifice for the other one. 
Everything is pre-planned already. God knows exactly how he's going to execute all his actions, all his plan. Firstborn of Egypt, and here he's just the Pharaoh and Israel, but eventually we know. It's just everything in firstborn in Egypt, from animal to the male child, across the board. Doesn't matter. No distinctions. From animals, clean animals, unclean animals, and male child. Every firstborn. Now, God says the letter, he gives an instructions. How to protect the firstborn of, Egypt, of, of, of Israelites, right? How did they have, what did they have to do to protect their own firstborn? Blood on the doorpost. That's one thing, right? Remember? That was the instructions. Kill the lamb and put the blood on the doorpost. Was that enough to save the firstborn? Was that enough? No, God said, I want you to be inside, not the outside. I want you, when I'm going to perform this thing, I want you to, to be inside. It's not just put the blood on the doorpost and you are outside if you are firstborn. No, we put the blood and you are inside. But that's supposed to be. You have to be. Later on, you will see it. You have to be under a special covenantal relationship to be saved. Special covenantal relationship. You have to be inside. It can be outside. Now, after whatever happened over there, you can try, you can try to imagine. So let's say, let's just, you know, downgrade. Like, you know, we know we do 600,000 men. Plus wife and children, right? So we have no idea what was the entire population of Israel in Egypt. Let's put the city of Hamilton together. It's about a half a million. That's what we meet. Half a million. Now imagine at evening time or the night time, you try to imagine, you hear the screaming all over happen everywhere. Apartment buildings, homes, everywhere, everywhere. People scream. That is all over the place. It's not just among the firstborn among men. Firstborn about the animal. Your firstborn cat is dead. Your firstborn dog is dead. Your firstborn oxen is dead. Donkey is dead. Every animal is dying like all over the place. Your mom, you have your first firstborn. Just died. Your father, you were the first one to, to be born. You're dead. Think about it. What a horror night that was for everybody. And you're sitting. Inside your home with the blood on your post, they have no idea what's happening. Only thing you can do is just hear the screaming that's happening everywhere around you. After such an experience, chapter 13, okay? Such an experience, what they experienced. Exodus chapter 13. Now it's God is saying, God is saying to Moses, there is a lesson coming from all of this, okay? There is a lesson coming. Chapter 13, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Whatever happened here, verse 2, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whether opens the womb among the children of Israel, both men and beast, it is mine. As the result of the Passover, God is saying now, there is a lesson for you guys. You're gonna go and you guys gonna walk. You're gonna walk to your promised land as long as you're gonna be there. 
This is what you're going to be for the rest of your life, okay? Firstborn, firstborn. Verse 14 here. Skip down to verse 14. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this, Father? Why is this, this, this animal, why we have to sacrifice? Oh, what about this animal? Why we have to kill it? I'm a firstborn. What are you doing to me, Dad? What is this that you shall say to him? By strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of house of bondage. And it came to pass, verse 15, when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of men and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that opened the womb. But, but, all the firstborn son I redeem. What is that supposed to mean? What does it mean? What do you mean redeem? Redeem from what? By how? Okay? God is saying no matter what, no matter when you have a clean animal, unclean animal, doesn't matter, everything that is firstborn that comes to you, God is saying it's mine. You can use it. You can use it. You can have it, whether for in your profit or for your own pleasure, you can have it because it's mine. Okay? It's mine. And it's going to cost you. This is the lesson. This is going to cost you. Okay? So let's see. Let's figure it out here from the Torah. What what we have to do with the unclean animals, especially the ones who are firstborn, okay? What do we have to do with it? So here in verse, chapter 13, just read these verses, 11 and 13. You will see it here a little bit. Exodus chapter 13, verse 11. And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and gives it to you, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal, which you, which you have, which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. Look at verse 13. He says, but every firstborn of a donkey, so donkeys and clean animals, okay, don't confuse, donkeys and clean animals, okay. So firstborn of donkey, you shall redeem it with a lamb. So if you want to use a donkey that was born to you, it's going to cost you money if you wanted to redeem it. If for some reasons you don't want to redeem it, you can use it. Look what God is saying. You should redeem it with a lamb, and if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. Kill it. But you're not going to have the right pleasure from my firstborn. This belongs to mine, no matter what happened because of Egypt. This will be the lesson. As long as you live, this is the lessons for you. This is pointing of something that's going to happen in the future. Okay? So the one thing, let's say you do, you have a, let's say you have a dog and you don't want it, you kill it. That's the first part. I'm sorry. That's God's word, not my inventions. Okay? If you want to use it, you can redeem it. Now, there's another possibility how we can redeem it. Leviticus chapter 27. And you know, I apologize. I'm going through all these details, but sometimes you know we don't read the Torah that often. But it's just a powerful reading. Powerful reading that, you know, shows us to, it wants to teach us something, okay? Leviticus chapter 27, look at verse 11. 27 verse 11. So if an unclean animal, which they do not offer as a sacrifice because they can to the Lord, then he has present the animal before the priest. So you know, we have your, let's say you have your cat or your dog or whatever, your donkey or whatever you may have it. You go to the priest, you present it to the priest, and the priest has set a value for it, whether it's good or bad. And as you, the priest, value it, so it shall be 
But if he wants at all to redeem it, then he must add one-fifth of evaluation. Okay? So for, for, for evaluation. So think about it. So you bring your donkey, and let's say the donkey is worth a thousand bucks, and priest says, yeah, the donkey is worth a thousand bucks. So he says, you know what? Add another 20% to all of this thing. Pay it. You can have it. That costs a lot of money, right? Today we gather together, and for us it's just worshiping God. It means we just sing a few songs, and we just listen to our sermon. We just, we just go home, and, you know, we call it a worship. Worshiping to our temple, to temple time it was a totally different worship. When you say you can't appear before God empty-handed, that's what it meant. You have to offer a burnt sacrifice. You have to offer a sin sacrifice. And then, on top of that, you offer your own peace sacrifice and a bunch of others. We're talking about a lot of money if you want to really worship God. That was unclean animal, right? We have an idea. We can redeem unclean animal, but it still costs us money. If you don't want to redeem it, we kill it. Break its neck. That's what it means. Now, What do we have to do now with the clean animal? The firstborn clean animals. Number chapter 18. Numbers chapter 18. Numbers chapter 18 and 17. Okay? That's the clean animals. Not that clean one. That's clean. Verse 17, but the firstborn of a cow, the firstborn of a sheep, sheep, or the firstborn of a goat, you shall not redeem it. There's no such a chance. You can't. They're a holy. They're a holy. You shall sprinkle their blood on the altar and burn their fat as an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma to the Lord. First animal that comes through the womb, if it's a clean animal, I can't even redeem it. No matter how much I like it, no matter how beautiful this thing is, what do I have to do with this thing? Sacrifice it to the Lord. Just think about it. Okay? Sacrifice it. This beautiful lamb. How wonderful it is. Wow, look at its eyes. I can't keep it. No matter how rich I am, I just can't redeem it. No matter what I can offer, it doesn't matter. It belongs to God. So the question now is, what do we do with firstborn male? As humans. Numbers chapter 3. Numbers chapter 3. And in verse 11. Numbers chapter 3 verse 11. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Now behold, I myself have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel. Instead, instead, instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the children of Israel, therefore the Levites shall be mine. Because all the firstborn are mine. No exceptions. All the firstborn are mine. On that day that I struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified to myself all the firstborn in Israel, both men and beast. There shall be mine. I am the Lord. So if you read the Torah, you will see it, that originally, from the beginning, God's intentions, no matter what tribe you come from, 
every firstborn was supposed to be dedicated to Lord. The firstborn of every family is supposed to be a priest to the family. Serve God. That was the original intentions. When they rebelled with the golden calf, God says, now I'm going to make the switch. I will take the Levites. You keep your firstborn. But you still have to redeem it. And then when you read the account later, the same chapter here, you will find all more details, so I don't have time to go for all this thing. But just read it to the to end of 51 verse here. You will see it, how you can redeem it, how they got work it to work this thing out in the end. So, again, if I would ask you about the Passover, what the Passover is all about. And, you know, many people say Passover is about sin. Passover is about taking sin. Where? Where have you read it in the scripture that Passover is everything about sin? What is Passover all about? Passover is about the firstborn. You know what Passover is all about? Passover is also about the first fruits. Scary now, right? First fruits. God is trying to redeem the first fruits. Not the entire world. The first fruits. Now, let's go to the apostolic writing. Let's go to the gospel now, okay? And let's see, this is when you go to Luke. We know that Christ came not to abolish. Christ came to bring the Torah to the fullness. Okay, to the fullness. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 here. And verse 22. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. When Christ was born, when he came on this earth, verse 22. Now when the days of her purifications according to the law of Moses were completed, that's for Mary, right? They brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And that is written in the law, that is written, that is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called what? A holy to the Lord. And what? 24. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. And then we have what they did. Even Christ had to fulfill the Torah to its fullness. In the Torah, God said, in Leviticus chapter 18, one time, one day, I will send you a kind of a prophet. I will send you among your midst. And he said, listen to him. Just wait till this time comes. When he comes, I want you to listen to him. Okay? Go to Matthew chapter 3 here. Now, the time came. Christ is here. Christ was here on this earth. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17. Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And look here at verse 17. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, okay, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Who hear this voice? 
What do you think? How many people hear this voice when God is speaking? John the Baptist. Just one. Everybody's there. John the Baptist hears the words. In whom I am well pleased. John has a confirmation. Whatever he was, whatever he was, his work to do, now he's, he has a confirmation. Okay? Not just one person hearing God's voice coming from heaven. Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. Now here, we have Peter, James, and John during the transfiguration. Okay? And verse 5 here, it says, while he was still speaking, so they're on the mountains, there's great vision, great transfiguration, okay? A bright color overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of this cloud saying, and I want you to listen how important these words are, okay? Now, we have three people who hear the voice, not just one. Now, we have three, three of the disciples. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's important, but there's the other part. Even more important. Hear him. Hear him. He's going to tell you everything. Just hear him. He's the prophet. Who was to come. We're almost coming 360 here. Matthew chapter 26. Now we have some evidence, right? Some credible evidence. Some detective work here. So let's read the same account. With our, we're supposed to have a little bit expand vision now. What we know already, right? We know some parts of the Torah, I think one of the Psalms, when it's actually said that volume of scrolls were written about me. Volume of scrolls were written about me. That's exactly what he's speaking of. Speaking of Christ. Volume. So here, Matthew chapter 26. When we're going to observe this year Passover, we're going to sit together as we're going to read these verses. Just keep in mind what they mean. Keep in mind. What authority Christ has here to say something like that? Human being making such a claim here. If you're like a Paul, a Jewish scholar, listening to what he's saying to him, we walk away. He says he is a heretic. Can't believe it what he's saying. But we have the evidence. We have the evidence. Verse 26. As they were eating. What they were eating? A little cracker? It took them all night to eat the little cracker? As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blasted it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciple and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Just one, that thing in itself is just a mind-blowing. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood, 
of the covenant, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. No one else could actually claim that part. No one else could ever say something like that, that I have the right to remit your sins. Can't. So here, as we're coming to the conclusion, 360, Passover 360. As we're going to gather today, I just want you to see how special that evening was to Christ. How special it was. What I'm trying to tell all of us, this evening should be extremely special to all of us, too. Extremely special. We should take some time to reflect. Okay, as Pastor Adrian was was talking about it. I just want you to have a vision. Can you just imagine? You know, we have nicely everything set up here, nice decorations. We are just about to sit down and just, let's say, just someone just about to offer an offering prayer. Imagine Christ walks through the door. Here, Christ walks through the door. And let's say Christ decides to sit beside you. Or let's say, across of you. And he's looking at your face at the table. Is there anything you have to, is there anything you're hiding there? Is there anything grudges that you saw in you? Do you have some unresolved issues? Christ is looking at you. What do you say? Can't pretend anymore. And you can't lie anymore. Imagine Christ looking at you and say, Jan, you sure? Really? That's the door. Maybe you try next year. That would be embarrassment, right? So, what I'm trying to say, this is a serious, a special meeting that Christ was so much looking forward into. It. Luke chapter 22. Just before we go to Luke, hold on. My apologies. We are in Matthew here, so let's finish Matthew. Matthew chapter 28. Just one verse here, Matthew chapter 28, just one verse, verse 18. We ask the questions, right? By what authority are you doing these things, right? Now here, look chapter 28, and here in verse 18, it says here, Christ is saying to him, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I am a resurrected one. I have all the authority, all the Torah, everything else that was spoken about me has been fulfilled. I have all the authority here from God, my Father, and your Father. Right? Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 here. And look at verse 14 here. Luke chapter 22, verse 14. When the hour had come, specific time of the day, not just any any time, when an hour had come, and here he sat down, is actually what he reclined at the table. He reclined. That's what the Jews were doing at the Passover. He reclined at the table, and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, 
with a fervor desire. I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I was waiting to this moment for this time specifically. Let me let me let me read the same part, but from the Living Bible. It's a little different version here. And Jesus and the others arrived, and at the proper time, all sat together at the table. And he said, I have looked forward to this hour with deep longing, anxious to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. I just couldn't wait to be with you. This last moment, this last time, have this Passover together before my suffering begins. Let me give you just one more translation here from the Young's Literal Translation. And when the hour come, he reclined and the twelve apostles with him, and he said unto them, With desire, I did desire to eat this Passover with you before my suffering. That was Christ's sight. That's how he desired to be with his disciple on this special evening in this one room. And we know from John, he spent almost half of his gospel on this one particular evening. That's how special it was for Christ. First Corinthians chapter 11. Anyone want to? We're almost there. First Corinthians chapter 11. Just one verse here. We're going we're gonna to cover a lot of verses probably before the time comes. So just one here. That's what Paul is writing to the Corinthians here. Verse 26. Okay. Just think about how Christ desire to have this meal. Now I think we should have the same desire in our hearts to, to come for this evening, to come for the night like that. With the frame mind. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord death till he comes. It's one thing to, to, to observe Lord's death and acknowledge that and participate in that, but it's not over. We're eagerly waiting till he comes and be together. Go back to look. I forgot to tell you to keep your spot over there, but just go back to look, okay? Do we have the same fervent desire to just to be together, just like Christ had? Or is it just like, oh, it's just another day. Oh, I'll be so busy. So much cleaning and so much cooking and, you know, I have to work and then there will be a traffic and then there will be all kind of, things will just go, everything will go horrible, as always. We'll have not enough time during the day just to, you know, make sure that and then you run through and just do like food washing and everything, not even realizing what this day is all about. In Luke chapter 22, and let's finish here. That's Christ, how he felt. Verse 16. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Think about it. What if he have the meal? Christ walked. Would it be nice? I think it will be just great. It will be awesome. Imagine we have a meal. How long would we stay with Christ here? Would anybody be tired? 
Would anybody be complaining that it's a little bit too long? Anybody complaining that I'm too tired? Oh, we would just enjoy the company, right? Questions that we would just ask. Endless. But you know what? That's what Christ is saying. One day, that's what's going to happen. We'll be together. Sitting with him or reclining, whatever options you like, at the table. So, brethren, time is close. Three and a half weeks. You might think it's, you know, a lot. No, it's not. Start preparations today. Whatever you have to do, do it now. Don't keep it to the last moment. Don't keep it to the last day. Try to have as much as possible time before these events come. Contemplate on it. Talk to your family members. What it means to you. How you feel about it. And what are you or how are you willing to sacrifice for each other here? That's Passover 360. May God bless you all, brethren. Wow, Deacon Jan, thank you so much, brother. A lot of work went into that. Uh, we are the beneficiaries of all of that effort, all of that working with the scriptures, and then the ability to present it uh, very clearly, even though it was very involved. Uh, really, really appreciate that. As you said, we don't uh, get the opportunity to really dig into the Torah as much as we should, so we are certainly very, very grateful. Uh, those of you online, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Those of you who are watching perhaps the archive, thank you for watching. We hope that you've been blessed uh, by this message as we prepare for Passover just weeks away. Brethren, let's um, stand and we'll conclude with a couple of hymns. Let's go to page 209, When I See the Blood, page 209. And let's really sing out in gratitude to our great God and just reflecting the joy that we have in our hearts for what we understand. Page 209, When I See the Blood. Christ our Redeemer died on the tree, died for the sinner, paid all his due. All who receive him need never fear. Yes, he will pass, he will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. Chiefest of sinners, Jesus and Savior, 
as he has promised, so will he do. O sinner, hear him, trust in his word, when the past will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. Judgment is coming, all will be there. Who have rejected, who have refused? Oh, sinner, listen, let Jesus in. Then God will pass, will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. Oh, what compassion, oh, boundless love, Jesus has power, Jesus is true. All who believe are saved from the storm. Oh, he will pass, will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. Wonderful brethren, let's close now with our last hymn, Redeemed, on page 252, 252. Page 252, Redeemed, let's really sing out our last time to sing together today, Redeemed. Now I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed, redeemed, His child and forever I am. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus, no language my rapture can tell. I know that the light of His presence with me doth continually dwell. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, His child and forever I am. I think of my blessed Redeemer, I think of Him all the day long. I think for I cannot be silent, His love is the theme of my song. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, His child and forever I am. I know I shall see in his beauty the king in whose law I delight, who lovingly guardeth my footsteps and giveth me songs in the night. Redeemed, redeemed, 
redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. Amen, brethren. I just ask you to remain standing. We just have a couple of announcements, and then we'll close. First announcement, uh, Sister Danuta, somebody online is giving you greetings. Uh, Sister Betty wants to make sure that we greet you. So hopefully you remember Sister Betty. Also, uh, we'll continue with our Bible study this uh, coming Sabbath. We're doing the Psalms that are read and right in the Passover season, either before the Passover meal or right after. And so we're to Psalm 116, and that'll be 730 on Wednesday on Rumble and Facebook Canada only. The upcoming Holy Day season or schedule, uh, Thursday, April 14th, is uh, Passover that evening. April 15th, the evening, is the night to be much observed. And then the 16th, the day, is the first day of unleavened bread, which obviously begins the night before. And then on Friday, April 23rd, the last day of unleavened bread. And both the first and the last day are holy days, so we will be taking up an offering. Uh, while you're standing, I'll just give you quickly the closing scripture. And then we'll have the closing prayer. I'm going to go to Hebrews 11 for the closing scripture. And Hebrews 11 and verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, this is just just tying in again to the sermon today, the vision that Abraham must have had, by faith or developed, by faith with Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing where he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the ears with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Amen. Brethren, let's uh, close in prayer. Loving Heavenly Father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Father of our Messiah, our Father. How grateful we are, Lord, that we can call you Father and that we can be in the tent with you in this under this covenant umbrella and relationship. And within this covenant umbrella that we can be taught by you, that you inspire men through the Holy Spirit, to unpack these scriptures so that week by week, month by month, year by year, decade by decade, we can grow into a fuller, deeper understanding and a fuller, deeper appreciation for your plan. So intricate, so precise, so well designed, uh, nothing superfluous, nothing just to be taken for granted, everything to be studied, to be understood, to be comprehended, fully digested, and then ultimately to be applied to our lives so that we can conform our minds to the mind of Christ. And we pray, Father, that you'll give us the zeal that we need to come into this Passover season, to take the Passover, to to dwell together in unity and harmony, and just fully digest more than we ever have this year the meaning of the Passover. Thank you, Father, for all of our brethren around the world. 
And we pray that you will be with all of us as we count down the days to this very, very special evening, the Passover. And we thank you for this 360-degree view we're beginning to develop. We praise you, Lord. We pray in the holy and mighty name of Jesus, our Messiah. Amen. Thank you, brethren. Thank you for those who joined us online.